This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hands it off the middle, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and sports director Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It's a busy month of December and we are just getting started. I'm Cole Stukenholz. Over there is KLIN sports director Caleb Henry. Hello, hello. Kenny Larrabee is getting us going on the Facebook Live at KLIN Huskers. As always, you can head over there and see our bright and shining faces right now all morning long until at least 10 a.m. We've got a lot to get to. We're going to have Parker Gabriel on a little bit later to talk a little bit about uh, a new hire of the coaching staff. Maybe some comings and goings in, in uh, the, the roster, some some transfers out, some potential transfers in. <laughs> Got a lot to get to, and uh, volleyball's headed to the second round after a big sweep last night. They're going to take on Florida State tonight. Uh, men's and women's basketball, we're in the thick of that as Big Ten Conference season is up next for both schools, uh, both programs. At least for the moment. It's that weird Big Ten throws yeah, it, a couple games in, one for the women, two for the men, and then, okay, finish out your non-con. Right. That, that's at least the next game before they, they jump back into non-con. Exactly. It's uh, it's that little early December foray into, into conference play. Um, but let's start with, I think, arguably the biggest ex-Nebraska quarterback news of the week. <laughs> uh, and, and it's Adrian Martinez entering the transfer portal, the only three-time captain in Nebraska history, the career total offense leader in Nebraska football history, uh, and he's going to go play somewhere else and use that fifth year, that COVID year, uh, somewhere other than Lincoln, Nebraska. I, The first thing that I thought when I saw it, the news was official was, okay, I kind of anticipated seeing that after kind of knowing what was going on and, and seeing mm-hmm. how the end of the year went and and kind of how the, the whole, you know, four offensive coaches let go. They're just looking to basically clean the slate, you know. And, yeah. and whether it's Martinez decision, Frost decision, mutual decision, whatever it is, it's done now. Uh, and, 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 and the I injury, just, the surgery. Certainly the surgery. Yep, that, that's, you missed the Iowa game, and, and that cemented the status of, of missing at least one game in all four seasons. He was uh, the starter. But it's such a complicated legacy because he did start for four years at the quarterback position uh, and, and yet just won 15 starts. Uh, and, and there's going to be a lot of people who are going to remember him fondly, and there's going to be a lot of people who uh, remember him and and sort of dis, sort of not 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 dislike him. I don't think it would be the word, but just maybe wish that somebody else beat him out. It's 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 a very complicated legacy. And I the thing that I settle on is this team didn't quit, and I think a big reason for that is the ca- the play of the captains and and mm-hmm. let, ma- making sure that the train stayed on the tracks because. As has been stated many times now, when the season went the way that it went, it, it really could have gone in a different direction in terms of just getting blown out and getting blown away and, and not being close in a lot of these games. And so the fact that they didn't, I think, is a big credit to the captains. And, and Captain 1A was Adrian Martinez. Right. And and the fact, that, the fact that that didn't happen is a testament to him. The fact that they were in so many of these games, the fact that they were competing and doing what they were doing, putting more yards and points on Wisconsin than than most teams, uh, playing right there back and forth late into the fourth quarter with a Michigan team that's bound for the playoff if they beat Iowa today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go on and on. And, and the fact that he played through so many injuries, the broken jaw, um, other injuries that we didn't know about, the ankle, uh, had to have shoulder surgery after the Wisconsin game, yet still played in that second half. There, there's a there's so much good that he gave to Nebraska, and it just really sucks that he just didn't win more games yeah. flat out. And and the the legacy will forever be complicated. But I'm going to remember him fondly. Well, and it, it's unfortunate that it's going to be complicated because he set so many records 
while here because of what he was able to do offensively. They just didn't score enough points. Um, but think about the guys that have been in Lincoln during that same time period that aren't going to have complicated legacies. Austin Allen is headed to the NFL draft. Tight end of the year in the, in the Big Ten. Tight end of the year. And when you talk about what he did over the course of his career, especially over this past season, the wins and losses don't even come up. Yeah, We talk about a guy like JoJo Doman, who went out on a high against Ohio State, at least for the way he played individually. You don't talk about the wins and losses during his career. The way we're going to remember Cam Taylor Britt, Deontay Williams, and Markel Dismuke, and um, all of these guys on the defensive side of the ball, um, even Samori Toure, who came in and, and really lit things up as a wide receiver for his single season at Nebraska. How many wins and losses there were? That's not going to come up. That it, like If that comes up, that's 10th or 11th on the list of things you bring up about any of these young men. For Adrian Martinez, it's first or second. And that's just the unfortunate part of the, the playing the quarterback position. Um, but I don't think that should complicate his legacy any more than it does any of the others because, like you said, it's a three-time captain, so he had um, the leadership. He had the respect of everybody in that room um, constantly. And the, and the guys glowed about him um, whenever he wasn't there, when he was there. Um, think about it in 2020 when Luke McCaffrey was given the start. Everyone kept like It was Adrian Martinez we saw on the hype video. Mm-hmm. Um, so the things he was able to do from a leadership standpoint, and then obviously you could see how elusive he was, how talented he was, and he was also often injured. So he had to play through those types of things, and those, I think, hampered the ability of this team to be even better than they were. Um, but I, I'm going to remember him as not only a, a tremendous athlete and for what he was able to do for four seasons in Lincoln, but for just being a fantastic young man. But as soon as he stepped on campus as a freshman, he, he sounded like a grown man. Yeah. And, and he sounded like a coach. He sounded like someone who was way more mature than anyone really should be at that age to step into a situation like this in front of as rabid a fan base as this is right at the time of a coaching change. So there's a lot more eyeballs on everything. Frost is coming in, so there's eyeballs on everything. Um, and just I, I think Martinez has got a lot going right for him in life going forward because of the way um, he acted and the way he handled everything over the last four years. Yeah, and I'm not going to break any news. You you said it too. It's the quarterback position's different. Right? It's you're you're more important than the other positions on the field. You just are. It doesn't matter that the special teams blew the Michigan State game, even though the offense technically did enough to win the game. Um, and, and Scott Frost said post-game against Iowa, Logan Smothers did enough to win the Iowa game, and yet you have field position on a safety take effect uh, where you, you have a guy catch a punt at the six-yard line. You have the blocked punt, obviously, was a big part of it. Um, you have the Iowa kicker able to hit long field goals where Nebraska doesn't have that <laughs> ability this season. Uh, all of those things don't factor into the equation for a JoJo Doman, a Cam Taylor Britt, an Austin Allen, but they do for Adrian Martinez. I I, kind of think back over these past 20 years and the really, really, really good players that Nebraska's had, like Adam Carricker and the Bullockses and Zach Taylor, Amir Abdullah, Rex Burkhead, um, Randy Gregory, like Levante David, those guys, Dominic and Sue, those, those players don't have things held against them the way that a a quarterback does. And and this is a really unique case because unlike Taylor Martinez or Tommy Armstrong or Zach Taylor, Adrian Martinez doesn't have a winning record to show for it. Mm-hmm. When those guys at least did. Now, Zach Taylor was the only one, I think, who won like uh, an award in terms of he was the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year in 2006. Taylor never did that. Um, I know Tommy Armstrong never did that, mm-hmm. but those guys at least won games. They at least went to bowl games. They they won bowl games, mm-hmm. in fact, in their in their Husker careers. So that part of it is just going to be so different. It's I don't know how that changes the way that we're going to look back on Adrian Martinez ten years from now. But I, I think the more the more distance that gets put between this moment and further out, I think the more people who will be converted to the other side are going to be the people who are sour on him now. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to remember him more fondly as time goes by because Absolutely. more of the other issues are going to come into context as time goes by, too. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I compare it to, think in baseball, you can have a pitcher over the course of a season give up two runs a game yep. every single time they go out there. But the offense only gives them one run a game. So he, he doesn't win ever. But he's one of the most outstanding pitchers you have in the game. Right. And it's, it's along those same lines. Now, I don't think Adrian Martinez is, he's not one of the most outstanding quarterbacks in college football. But he's so athletic and so talented that when he's on the field, and right now when he's as he's in the transfer portal, there's people with eyes on him. There's people going, how special can he be? And he's going to go end up somewhere, and I think he's going to, we'll see how the the rehab goes, because that's a big deal. Um, We'll see what kind of offense he fits into. Maybe he ends up at Kansas State just down the road. Maybe he goes back home to to California. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of options out there for a guy like Adrian Martinez, but it's like I said, it's not all because of his physical attributes. It's because of his leadership and what he brings to a team and what he brings to a locker room. Um, and those things cannot be undersold going forward. There, there might not ever be another three-time captain yeah. in, in Nebraska football, in that program. Um, to think about all of the, the fantastic gentlemen that came through this program and you didn't have anyone else for three years be in a leadership position like that. Now, granted, your quarterbacks typically weren't taking over as freshmen and getting four years to run the show. I don't know that we'll ever see a three-time captain. Like We've seen some great leaders, but to be a three-time captain, it's going to be Adrian Martinez, and by the time this this program hits its 200th anniversary, maybe one other person. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty rare, obviously, if it's ever happened, and and I agree, it's going to be pretty. It'll be pretty rare to see it happen again, and it's it's interesting now with the other news of the week to kind of think about how the start of Adrian Martinez's career could have changed had a decision been made differently. You remember, you guys remember a guy named Joe Burrow, <laughs> transferring away from Ohio State after the 2017 season. Scott Frost coming into his first season. And Burrow not not really pursued by Nebraska. You have the, the the famous Scott Frost quote: "Is he better than who we got?" In terms of Adrian Martinez, so Burrow goes to LSU, and in 2018 was pretty average. Um, why was he so good in 2019, winning the Heisman Trophy, going 15 and 0, setting offensive records? Part of it was the offense was really good. Uh, they had Joe Brady as their their pass game coordinator, offensive coordinator. He's with the uh, Carolina Panthers now in the mm-hmm. NFL. Um, he put it all together on the offensive side for Ed Orgeron. Uh, and, and they had some NFL-wide receivers on that team. Terrence Marshall, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Who coached those guys, Caleb? Who, who coached that, that trio of NFL-wide receivers that Joe Burrow was able to throw to in 2019? Is it a uh, Mr. Mickey Joseph? It, it's a former Nebraska oh. quarterback <laughs> and, and now a, a staff member for Scott Frost in this football program. It's Mickey Joseph. It's, it's so funny how all these things come for full circle. And, and Mickey Joseph, that's the other big you know, news that, that happened this week. It was reported earlier in the week, and then I think yesterday was confirmed by the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the interesting part to me... Caleb was the fact that he has not one title, not two titles, <laughs> but he has three titles yes. officially. He's not only going to be the wide receivers coach, but he's also going to be the passing game coordinator, as Greg Austin was the run game coordinator this past season, added that title uh, after the 2020 season. Uh, and he's also associate head coach. And I, maybe they already have the OC hired and they just can't announce it because he's still coaching this weekend as it's championship Saturday. Um, but they went and hired and, and officially announced anyway the hiring of a wide receivers coach before the hiring of an offensive coordinator, which if if they don't actually have the OC yet would would kind of be going back on what the, what Frost said he wanted was hey, I want to get an OC first. I want him to get his guys in here, his quarterback's coach, his running back's coach, his O-line coach, his whatever coaches, uh, and let him specialize in what he does. I I would imagine that decision's been made. It's just not public. But maybe Mickey Joseph was the guy you're prioritizing because of his recruiting talents, because of his experience with uh, helping design that 2019 record-setting pass game at LSU. Um We'll find out in the in the coming days, I'm sure, probably next week, what the OC hire is going to be after the, the rest of these championship games are done. But uh, this being the first one announced kind of caught me a little bit off guard. Yeah, I, 
I expected it to be an offensive coordinator, but man, there, there's so much when you look back at the way things went from the start of the Frost era when Martinez got here that, let's say Joe Burrow did come to Lincoln. You at least give yourself one to two years for Martinez to not have to go be the guy right away. Mm-hmm. What could that development have looked like? You don't know. Yeah. Um, I do think at the end of the day, we all know it was clearly a better business decision for uh, for Joe Burrow to head south. Um, and excuse me. And now we're gonna we're gonna learn what what Mickey Joseph can bring to Lincoln. There there are two ways you can draw people from a situation that they like: money and titles. Mm-hmm. And they're throwing both at Mickey Joseph. What are they going to do with those other three spots? What does that mean for the possibility of a special teams coordinator? That's a lot we can get into. Yeah, it, Parker might have some of those answers. Parker Gabriel from the Lincoln Journal Star. He certainly could, and and it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how everything kind of develops uh, over the next few days because. If if the offensive coordinator doesn't have any any you know experience with Mickey Joseph or uh, kind of tacitly signed off on Mickey Joseph, um, are we right back where we were before, where there's conflicts you know conflicting ideas, conflicting styles, whatever have you? Uh, you want to have a united front, and so I think that'll be really interesting to see who that is. Uh, we'll talk about that with Parker Gabriel. Also, uh, hit more on uh, possibilities in the transfer portal, uh, names coming, names going, uh, and also uh, we might have uh, some some news from from Caleb Henry in terms of a new article he's got up uh, on KLIN.com about the transfer portal and some quarterback possibilities as well. That's all coming up uh, along with some volleyball and hoops here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. It was a busy week for news about ex-Nebraska quarterbacks. Going to continue to be busy in the month of December as things get finalized with roster movement with the portal, coaching hires, and you're going to have... Uh, plenty of recruiting news coming as well with the early signing period, late December. Uh, covering all of that and more for the Lincoln Journal stars, Parker Gabriel, who joins us now here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, Parker, do you have any other news about any other former Nebraska quarterbacks <laughs> before we get started? Uh, Eric Crouch is going to the Hall of Fame, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, Trev Alberts held up a, a poster about that, and then it got co-opted like everything else he does where he holds stuff up. It's great. Hey, he even retweeted one. Yes, he All did, right. because that was a foul. That, that's a, that's our AD. Besides <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, though, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what Tommy, Tommy Armstrong's up to. Uh, Tommy and Taylor. Not sure. <laughs> they, they've got to be close to, to decisions, I'm sure. So let's... Taylor Martinez, special teams coordinator. Oh, man. Uh, hey, strange things have happened. <laughs> right, right now, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Parker, let's start with the, the, the guy who just played, not the one from 1990, but Taylor, uh, yeah, I did it, Adrian Martinez. <laughs> I, blame you, I blame you, Caleb. <laughs> Adrian Martinez officially in the transfer portal now. Do we anticipate this being just turned over to Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg, or do you think this staff's going to take a really, really hard look at the transfer portal, look at somebody who's got experience but just needs a change of scenery? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt that they'll be looking for a quarterback in the portal. Um, and I, I don't I don't even think that's criticism of where Logan Smothers or Heinrich Harburg are. It's just the math number. You know, they're the only two uh, scholarship quarterbacks in the program right now. Obviously, Richard Torres is verbally committed as a 2022 guy. Torres coming off a knee injury. Um, I don't think that would even make a difference if he was fully healthy and had played his whole senior year and all that. Um, I just think with the numbers they have and the lack of experience they have, uh, there's no doubt that they're going to be looking for a quarterback or are looking for a quarterback in the portal. Some of that's going to depend, obviously, who it is and who they really make a run at is going to depend on who ends up getting hired as the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach. That might be the same person. It might not be. But, um, you know, those that hire, I think, will not determine full full stop who Nebraska's after in the portal at quarterback, but I think that'll sort of shape their search for a quarterback in the portal going forward. Well, let, let's stay on the on that staffing part with Mickey Joseph as 
wide receivers and passing game and uh, associate head coach. It's just the, a bajillion titles, yeah. and you, you can yeah. throw titles at money, or throw titles at people, and money at people, and that's what they did um, with Mickey. Now. What does that mean for you on filling out that coaching staff? A lot of folks have talked about wanting a special teams coordinator, um, and the first hire was not the OC, and you've still got quarterbacks, O-line, running backs. How, how do you see the rest of this staff being filled out, at, at least the way you're, you're feeling about it at 921 uh, this Saturday morning? Yeah, I think from here, I, I think the, the thing with Mickey was they, they knew they wanted him. Uh, they knew they wanted to coach receivers and to have a big say in, in what they're doing recruiting-wise. And I, I think it's easy to gloss over because he's such a good recruiter. I mean, he's never been a coordinator in his career, but he does – you know, he's spent time around a lot of really talented coaches, um, including over the last five years at LSU. So um, certainly it's not just, hey, Mickey, you know, coach the receivers and go get a bunch of players. Like, he's, <laughs> he's another offensive mind to have as that staff comes together – I think from here, the next step probably is the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, maybe if there's an O-line coach that they really like and they just can't say no to, that that domino would fall first. But I think from here, it's about the OC. Um, and then I'm not – what I can't – what I haven't quite pinned down is if the special teams coordinator position, does that, does that depend on – um, what, how it shakes out position-wise with an OC, maybe one other staffer, or are they just going to wait, get the offensive coordinator done, and then absolutely hire a special teams coach? I still think they probably will hire a special teams coordinator. Um, it just seems like it's, a, it's necessary at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does leave them a position short unless Frost is going to coach a position. So it's sort of up in the air, I guess you would say, about um, exactly how the pieces fall into place in terms of who's coaching what and who has what responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to see, too, if, if you maybe don't have everything finalized until after that early recruiting signing period, too, because you could see a defensive staff guy go somewhere else and they may realign there. There may only be four guys on defense make room for that one special teams coordinator. You can still get five in on offense. I don't know that we'll have the whole picture until later in December, uh, but yeah, certainly, certainly will be interesting to see how that shakes out. the The thing on Mickey Joseph that I'm most interested in, and this is hundred percent selfish because I'm a Bellevue West guy. Uh, I want to see number one what he can do with Xavier Betts, uh, and number two, go get Davon Hall, who is going to be unbelievably good and hopefully does not leave the state. Uh, what What are you interested in seeing in terms of what he can do with some of the guys that you have on the roster and, and some of the local talent that they could potentially get the next couple of years? Yeah, I think, I think that definitely, I think that, that both, both of those things definitely, as you said, and then also, you know, I think being where he was being a new Orleans guy and being at LSU, like that, that's, you've got a lot of firepower to walk into high schools in new Orleans and, and in Louisiana, Mississippi, you know, and recruit the best of the best five-star guys. Like, Hey, there's an sec powerhouse right down the road. I'm from here. Come play here. Like that. That's a pretty easy pitch. It's not quite so simple. Like I, I think it would be, I think it'd be a little foolhardy for Nebraska fans to expect that Mickey Joseph is just going to start pulling five-star receivers left and right to come to Lincoln. Um, but he certainly, I think it, they'll retool how they recruit, probably a little bit where they recruit, um, and and you know perhaps the caliber of players they can get. I mean, the other thing is, and this goes for Mickey, and, and especially right now because he's the only of the four spots that's been filled. But for each of the guys that they end up bringing in, whoever they are, I think the portal recruiting, which has been insane already um, <laughs> this, this winter. Um, only gets more intriguing because every coach has players that he is recruiting or recruited in the past. And, and I think as much as like, you know, that, that Nebraska, for example, they offered this kid from the university of Albany, right. A defensive end, he went in the portal, Nebraska offered him. And in like three days, he had 25 offers and there's a tackle from Florida international that has 30 offers in three days. Like there's only so many of those that you're just going to be able to go in recruit against every team in the country and come out on top. That's a relatively low odds scenario. But if there's a guy who you have a coach on staff and it could be Tony Tuioti, or it could be one of the new guys coming in 
that you have a relationship with or that you've recruited in the past. I mean, that's, that's the best path toward getting guys out of the portal, especially with how raucous it's been so far. So that'd be another thing I'm interested in with Mickey is who are those guys? And, you know, are they players from LSU's roster? Are they players from, you know, they've known about in the past or he's recruited in the past. And I think you'll see some of that play out uh, over the next couple of weeks and, and, and sort of like you intimated, you know, maybe toward the February signing day too. Obviously, we're still waiting on that that offensive coordinator hire, but with Mickey Joseph being passing game coordinator, LSU was a little bit more pass-happy than Nebraska over this past season, though Nebraska threw for more yards um, on a lot less passes. Do you, do you anticipate Mickey having influence on the, the offensive game plan to the point where Nebraska might put it in the air more? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I mean, I think that every offensive coach, not to have a cop-out answer, but I do think every offensive coach will have a say in sort of how it comes together. You know, that, you know, Mickey Joseph was in um, at LSU for um, the the Joe Brady, you know, explosion Mm -hmm. offensively a couple of years ago. He's seen a lot of different offensive systems. So there's definitely input. I think one of the things that's interesting, you know, Scott Frost all along has said that he's looking for new ideas and, and fresh ideas and maybe a new voice. And so I'm curious what direction that goes. I mean, it sounds funny, but you could have some of that, um, you know, Brady stuff, Joe Brady stuff. You could, who I, you know, we'll see what happens at offensive coordinator, but uh, there's all kinds of offense out there. You could hire a guy who has roots in power football. You could hire a guy who has roots in the air raid. Um, and then it's about marrying concepts. I don't think, I don't think throwing the ball 65% of the time is necessarily a good recipe to win in the Big Ten West. Purdue's had a nice year, mm-hmm. um, but over the course of time, that's been more the exception than the rule. Um, but so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I don't think you want to be fully reliant on throwing the ball down the field and you know Lincoln America in, in November. <laughs> um, but I do think you'll see some tweaks, and that was honestly like that. That was the thing Nebraska probably did best this year was create big plays in the passing game. So are they going to go full, you know, 65, 67% pass? No, I, <laughs> I, I would be very surprised if that happens in future years. But I do think you're always looking to, you know, modernize and improve the, the concepts that you do have at your disposal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun few days to to find out how this offense offensive staff comes together and, and what it might look like and then and then you get into all the personnel stuff about well they they had two running backs leave and who who ends up being maybe the bell cow maybe they get somebody from the portal there too um, we'll we'll get you out of here on this we we had a little bit of discussion on on uh, Adrian Martinez's legacy uh, and and how that's you know complicated. And, and how some folks are going to feel about him looking back, you know, 10 days from now, 10 years from now, and how that's different. Um, what, what is your initial thought on, on how Adrian Martinez is going to be remembered as a four-year starter, but a guy that only won 15 games, but also a guy who's the total offense leader over his career? Yeah, I think he deserved, I think he deserved better. Not, not in like, not in the transfer sense, but like just overall, I mean, yeah. I, he deserved to play at Memorial Stadium one more time and and not have to go out there with a shoulder immobilizer. And, you know, he deserved to win more than 15 games probably. Everybody knows the 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 pros and the cons, the imperfections, the turnover prone and all that. But, you know, I mean, you can't say that he did anything but put his heart and soul and, and body into it. I mean, he really did. And I think, you know, it goes a long way in life when, when you're when – you're, you know, a good, a good person and, and, and polite and all that. He he just was all of that in, in spades, you know, I mean, he just handled, and even though he talked, it's interesting because he talked after the 2019 season about how maybe he didn't handle the, the, all of the things that came along with his freshman year um, as well as he could have, he got caught up in it a little bit, but man, overall, I mean, the guy just, there's so much pressure. It's such a fishbowl and he just made it look pretty easy, even though it wasn't. Um, and, you know, this, uh, the old Mario Verisco saying praise and blame is all the same when you're a quarterback. Um, but I think history will treat him well. I really do. Obviously, the win-loss record isn't there, but it's going to be one of two things down the road. Either um, it doesn't get on the off the ground under Frost, and it, he was an electric playmaker in a system that never really worked, or 
Um, he's the sort of saw him through the tough part and then it takes off and, and you get some credit for that too. So I, I think he's a great kid. Wish him best wherever he goes. I think he's going to have success wherever he goes. Hope he gets healthy quick. And, and yeah, I think, I think Nebraska fans will root for him wherever he ends up, unless it's in the big 10, which I'd be surprised by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be wild actually seeing him uh, across from them on the field in 2022. Then everyone's going and See, pointing think, to I that. Think, <laughs> if, you want, if you want the true measure of like, there's a lot of, social media and there's a lot of this and that, and there's a lot of people that talk and all that. But I think you, if you just want one simple measure of what Nebraska fans think of Adrian Martinez, there would be a lot of hand wringing if Adrian Martinez lined up across from Nebraska next year about what he was going to do to them. So, I mean, there you go. Like that, that should tell you at least something. Well, everyone will just go point to the, uh, that post game little chat with PJ Fleck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be really interested with it because he probably goes into a power five school. You're gonna have bowl prognostications if Nebraska's in position and, and his team is too. You're gonna have bowl people and be like, oh, yeah. hey, let's link those two teams up in every <laughs> every single bowl prediction. That would be that would be wild. Absolutely. Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star. Uh great as always. Uh, appreciate the knowledge and we'll talk to you again down the road. All right, sounds good, guys. All right, uh there he goes. Good good stuff there and uh, okay, now I'm anxious about where Adrian Martinez is. Because <laughs> you're going to see him line up across the field from Nebraska. Oh my goodness, this is we can't we can't have that, can we? 2021 was weird enough. 2022 seeing opposing quarterback Adrian Martinez. There's your total offense leader over his career playing against you. I, I the whole state would explode. I, I don't think you'll get him in the regular season, but yes. I do think folks putting together the bowl games, if it lines up. Oh, my gosh. They're going to want that matchup. It'll get eyeballs. Uh, it'll get eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. That's one way to say it. All right. Four overtime, heartbreaker. You knew it was the only way that game was going to end for Nebraska basketball. Uh, the women, though, they're undefeated. They just destroyed their opponent in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, and volleyball headed to the second round. We got more to get to here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Our thanks to Parker Gabriel from the Lincoln Journal Star who just joined us in our last segment. If you missed that or anything else on the show, you can always head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com. Also, our Facebook and Twitter pages at KLIN Huskers. Uh, you can catch up with the show anytime throughout the week. Uh, and and catching up with uh, volleyball right now, they are, Ooh, they're yeah. headed into the second round tonight, hosting Florida State. Swept Campbell, held the held them to uh, the opponent's lowest, lowest hitting percentage of the season. If I saw ne- that right. Negative hitting percentage. Um, they got nice. positive. Uh, so Campbell got to positive, which was like .032. Which is not good. Not um, good. In, in the third set. And the third set was kind of getting sloppy, but Cook was getting a number of people out there. All, um, all of them played. Loved, loved seeing um, Kaylin come in, mm-hmm. and she put it about 30 feet out of bounds, her first swing. But to, <laughs> to, to get Kaylin Meyer in, yeah. and that those are the things you love to see. 14 different players got in the match for Nebraska yesterday. Um, and that's one of th- one of the things that I think makes Cook so special, is that he understands the situation and the scenario so well that yes, it is the NCAA tournament, um, and you can equate it. It's a little bit different than in basketball where you just go clear the bench um, because you're, you're not you're limited on substitutions that you can make. Right. So to get that amount of people into into the match last night was was special. In um, the NCAA tournament. In, no in the NCAA tournament, Callie Schwarzenbach getting um, a raucous ovation when she went in, and then she got a kill, and then the crowd just absolutely loved it because she's had a history of fighting for those positions up there, but also being a little bit banged up and... Yeah. Um, trying to be a middle blocker on this team right now with Lauren Stiverens and then Kayla Caffey, the way she has come on mm-hmm. um, from last year to this year. That's, that's a hard... There's only six on the floor at a single time. Yeah. It is hard to crack the rotation. Yeah. Um, and Husker fans appreciated what Callie has brought um, over her four years. So that was all great to see. Nebraska played really, really well. Um, I don't think they're sloppy in the third if it's, a, if it's not Campbell. 
you know. Yeah. Um, so tonight, 7 o'clock over on B107.3, you got Florida State. And you do have a common denominator. Both teams played Kansas State mm-hmm. <laughs> over the course of the year, and both teams won. So what do you do? I think being at home is a big deal for Nebraska. Get past this one. See what happens in, in those those other matches. Maybe you might you might be coming back to Lincoln if yeah. someone gets upset. Yeah. But there, there's a there's a strong possibility that tonight is for the final time. Yeah. The last time we see Lexi Sun and Lauren Stiverens at the Devaney Center, and we've still got decisions left to be made. For we're talking about these decisions for the football players, um, but the decisions that will still have to be made after the season for Kayla Caffey, Callie Schwarzenbach, and uh, Nicklin Hames. Yeah, and and those decisions are going to be uh, a, a trend for the next three four years. Those are going to be mm-hmm. uh, still still coming up. Um, you mentioned some of the the big names. Uh, the the Big Ten teams were announced this week. Uh, you had three first teamers, including Lexi Rodriguez as the defensive oh, player of the year yes. as a true freshman. Um, which... The first one, the first tr- uh, freshman to be named the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten since two thousand two. Wow. Nebraska was not in the Big Ten in 2002, if you don't remember. Lexi Rodriguez wasn't born in 2002. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Holy crap. There's your stat. That's, geez. She's younger than you, Caleb. I know. And and I think it makes it, it's five or six years now in a row that Nebraska has had three on the first, first team, team. Yeah. Um, which is phenomenal. Uh, and one of them who didn't even play in the non-conference season. Right. With Warren's yeah. difference. <laughs> yeah, she she came on just in time to be eligible for those uh, those conference awards. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you go through there, and then Nicklin Hames' second team, and um, just the, the team is really playing well. They made that push towards the end of the season, just couldn't get past Wisconsin, finished runner-up in the in the league. Yeah. But this is what you do. You, you peak. You, you aim to peak in the NCAA tournament, and Coach Cook is just such a masterful coach, and he's got them doing that. They're playing extremely well. They passed really well last night. The other thing that happened last night, um, you had Kenzie Knuckles, who was the previous, now previous, um, freshman digs leader Mm -hmm. in program history. And then three digs in, Lexi Rodriguez passes her. And the more matches they play, the further along she can can stretch that. But that, that tells you... We've talked about how good this defensive back row is at times when you have Rodriguez and Knuckles and Kayla Akana out there as well. That you've got your two greatest diggers in freshman history at Nebraska. Two of your greatest defenders back there. Akana's no slouch either. It is very hard to have a ball touch the court yeah. if you're on the other side, especially the way they scheme up where their blocks and they're, they're funneling all of the hits towards those great defenders in the back row. Yeah. That's why Lexi Rodriguez, Defensive Player of the Year, a lot of it comes down to the way um, Cook and Jalen Reyes and, and that whole staff schemes up where their blockers are at the front. Um, I mean, it's exactly like when you have a, a running back get a whole bunch of awards. They're like, yeah, I could not have done that without my offensive line. Yeah, exactly. Lexi Rodriguez knows, oh, I've got some of the best middle blockers in the conference. <laughs> that it's only best- coming to me if it's getting by the block. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that that all is uh, a lot of um, the, the awards and accolades. Five, five uh, players are recognized. I think uh, it's interesting what you may see throughout the tournament from Kayla Caffey who did not get recognized by the Big Ten and maybe took it a little bit as a slight. Um, I listened to a little bit of the broadcast yesterday was uh, John Baylor and Lauren Cook-West were, were discussing that maybe she's got a little bit of uh, motivation not being recognized by uh, by the Big Ten um, for her role on this team because she's she's probably a starter on on almost every other Big Ten team at middle blocker. Yeah, and, and I know, so the Big Ten is still... I know the ACC had a really good year, but the Big Ten is still the standard for, for yes. women's volleyball. Yep. Um, and just to make second team it is oh, yeah. would, would would have been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, it is hard to crack these these all conference teams in a league like this. Yeah. Um, but I do think Kayla Caffey played well enough. Oh, yeah. To have been second team, especially in the big moments in some of the big matches too. Yes. I, I don't remember which one it was, but she had a couple maybe three points in a row. Where she got a big block, she got a huge swing. Like she was clearly a huge and, reason why. And and we know how big of a deal she is for this team. Yeah. But because there are so many returners from this yeah. last year, and there are other good teams, I feel like the not necessarily name recognition, but being a big time name 
folks got extra credit yeah. for being a big time name. And Kayla Caffey just hasn't been that big time name outside of Lincoln up until really this year. So it, it worked against her. It's, it's the same way that um, going and being a, a Coastal Carolina or a UTSA or this year a Cincinnati, yeah. it works against you not being that name brand. Right. Um, I still think she should have been top two. Yeah. Um, uh, she should have at least been on the second team. Um, maybe not quite cracking that first team. It's a really deep league. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. she fed off of motivation throughout the entire off season on the I'm going to go be a dominant middle blocker, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go. She can hang in the air for 18 seconds, is what it feels like. <laughs> um, and she did that a couple times last night. I think it's great motivation for her, and we're seeing her play her best volleyball. Yeah. In her fourth fourth college season, obviously just a. Uh, She's only been here two seasons, but yeah. love watching her play. She brings something to that middle blocker position that is just a little bit different than Lauren Stiverance. Yeah, and and look, if you if you're going to be a great one, um, you're going to use those slights as as motivation for you in any way, even if it's like, hey, you're not one of the best two middle blockers in the best conference. <laughs> you know, like even if it's that. Use it. She thinks she is, and that's all that matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, again, 7 o'clock tonight on B107.3. That's a 645 uh, pregame show uh, that you'll hear. 630. 630, excuse me. 630 uh, over on B107.3. And then by the time we're doing this show next week, who knows? Are they still going to be in it here uh, going into the Elite Eight? Yeah, they will. They always find a way. They better be. Or else. (laughs) All right, you better stick around. We got basketball talk coming, so don't go away. Or else. (laughs) Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour, rolling along here on your Saturday morning and both the men's and women's hoops programs are going to be in action against Big Ten teams in their yes. next games. And uh, I want to start with the women. And Caleb, I think Jazz Shelley is the impact transfer that Husker Hoops fans thought that Alonzo Verge was going to be. Mm-hmm. And Verge has been better lately. I think Verge can still be that, but Jazz Shelley was that right away. Yes, um, there it, was not a there was not a feeling out period. Like she was she was on it. Is there an award for transfer of the year? There's going to be soon with the pace that this thing's going at. <laughs> well, right. Uh, but but Jazz Shelley, she she had a 30-piece a couple of games ago, yeah. um, helped lead the team through that holiday tournament championship. And then you go on the road. Big Ten ACC Challenge. And I get it, you were on the road to California. And then you go all the way to the East Coast. Um, you're putting the miles on, on the plane for Amy Williams and company. But like it, it's one thing to go win those games against Drexel and San Diego. And win the holiday tournament on the road there. It's another to go into the ACC in a true road mm-hmm. competition against a Wake Forest team that was one of the better three-point defenders, not just like in the in their league, but in the country. They were also undefeated and similarly seven and zero at the time. Yep. And Nebraska got up and then just stayed there the whole way, eighty-six to sixty. Um, for a team that's already been over 103 times to go put up 86 points on Wake Forest. Um, and Nebraska still didn't, still gave up a bunch of offensive rebounds. Um, they, they had a good assist to turnover ratio, but they were a little sloppy with the ball at times. And you still won by 26 mm. at their place in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. That's phenomenal work there. Um, and you can obviously, it's the same thing as we talked about that third set with volleyball. When you're up and you're going to be up, um, granted the, the level of competition different being Wake Forest basketball to Campbell volleyball, mm. but things can get a little sloppy and it not hurt you. And now you're going to get into... Wake Forest, by the way, was receiving votes in, in last week's poll. Mm. I expect Nebraska to start receiving votes because they're not in action until Monday when they head to Minnesota. Um, that's a game you'll be able to hear here on KLIN, 7 o'clock tip on Monday. Mm. Um, but you're 8-0. That is tied for the third best start in program history. Yeah, this is phenomenal. Um, obviously, the best start under Amy Williams because you haven't been able to get by Creighton um, 
And now that you did, things are just really rolling. Think about how tight that Creighton game got in the last couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, Creighton got it all the way down to a single possession game because of the way they started fouling um, early enough that they could put Nebraska at the line. Nebraska started missing just enough free throws. Um, luckily, Hyvie made like eight in the last couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, or nine of her 15 points came at the free throw line in that game. Um, but the, if you're not paying attention to this team yet, I would encourage you to do so. Not just because, obviously, we carry the games here on KLIN, and every one of them is on B107.3 unless there's a conflict. We have those games here. We're a little biased. We love Husker sports. We're a little biased. But it's also a lot more fun to follow winners. And this women's basketball team is winning. And they're full of winners. And Jazz Shelley is playing phenomenal. Alexis Markowski was the Big Ten Freshman of the Week. Mm -hmm. That's from right here in Lincoln. Um, So you've got things going really, really well for this team. Bella Craven's holding things down inside. Sam Hybee is still doing Sam Hybee things. Izzy Bourne, obviously between her, Jazz Shelley, and Ruby Porter, you've got... um, your own Australian, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. yeah, you've got your own Australian three-on-three team for the next Olympics. Yeah, um, but that team not not only are they playing well, they're extremely fun to watch, and they feed off of each other so well. And you get a bunch of players in the game, and there's Nebraskans on the team. Like that's that's the other thing that's really fun to watch is that you get to see some of the the homegrown Huskers in action. I'm super excited to continue watching them go, and they're getting into Big Ten play. How is that going to translate now that they're into the league? Yeah. It, it, it is going to be fascinating because they've gotten off to a great start, but man, the Big Ten's really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's you know it's kind of a broken record from volleyball, uh, but I mean, yeah, they they are one of if not the top conferences in the country. Mm-hmm. So, uh, will they go undefeated through the whole season? No, probably not. Um, but how far can they take this? What will their record look like at the end? Of, look, Jazz Shelley leads the team in four out of the five uh, major <laughs> statistical categories, uh, and she's knocking on Bella Craven's door on rebounding. Yeah, she's they, got seven point three per game to Bella's eight point one. Let's be honest; they did not, they did not recruit Shelley to come in and lead the team in block no, shots, but she is <laughs> one and a half per game. Come on! <laughs> yeah, so. Look, the, the women's team—they're—they're—they're uh, they're, they're gonna be a lot better than folks thought. Uh, Amy Williams doing a phenomenal job over there in, in Minnesota. Game uh, is seven o'clock on Monday. You can hear right here um, on KLIN. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're gonna get to Oscar Hoops on the men's side. And did you catch the name of uh, the the Big Ten head coach on the men's side that just stepped down this week? Oh yeah, really, really fascinating stuff. Uh, we'll tell you who that was if you missed that and get you ready for. Uh, What's coming up next for Nebraska ball? That's next on the K-Lion Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the K-Lion Husker Hour on 1499.3 K-Lion. Someday, someday when Nebraska men's basketball is into the second round of the NCAA tournament, Everybody is going to be coming together on social media and in bars and restaurants and living rooms across the state. And they're going to be like, hey, man, this means so much more because I was there late on a Tuesday night watching a four-overtime game that Nebraska (laughs) just could not figure out a way to win. And it was... uh, It was actually Wednesday, wasn't it? All the, all the all the days have run together. Yeah, it was December yeah. 1st. It was Wednesday. Yeah. I was there on a four-overtime loss. If you were there through the tough parts, man, you are going to love it when Nebraska right. finally makes it. <sighs> the non-call at the end of the first overtime. Um, you had the, the chance for, for Bryce McGowan to hit two free throws and win it, and he hits the first one. And I don't know how the second one didn't go in. Uh, just just got enough of the front rim mm-hmm. to get enough of the back rim to come out. Uh, and then Nebraska loses in four overtimes. Basically, hit four one hundred. His second free throw was like in soccer when the ball goes and it, it's crossing the line, but it doesn't one hundred percent go across. And yeah. it's like, well, it, like you had two more inches to go. Yeah, 
just had to just just a little bit further, and it's done, and then the game's over. Um, and obviously, the missed calls played a little bit of a part in there, but <sighs> don't give up a fourteen point lead. Right. Um, obviously, ran out of gas in that fourth overtime. That's that's literally what that fourth overtime was. It was Nebraska was spent. Um, not that NC State didn't have to play the same amount of minutes. Uh, Nebraska was just out of it, and you're used to having Lat Mayan fill a lot more of those minutes, and he wasn't out there. Yep. Um, from the uh, the Mayan melee. I think it was what we can just go ahead and call that. Lat Mayhem. Oh, Lat Mayhem. Nice. I can't claim that. I saw somebody else do that. I like that. Good call. Uh, But we'll we'll get to see how that response is from Hoiberg and company today because at 10 a.m., in five minutes, mm-hmm. you're going to get some mm-hmm. pregame. Yeah, um, take me right up to it. Right, and you're going to have Indiana, so on the road again, um, and in Nebraska. What is that response going to be? What what does that lineup look like? Because obviously, Lat's fresh. Um, <laughs> Trey McCowan scooting out to the middle of the floor to get in the middle of the scuffle is still that might be the funniest thing I've seen all year. And then he was trying to trying to do a scooter switch with someone in, yeah, in Bloomington. That that whole thing is a, just it, a terrific development. I love his his leadership, but also his humor and his yeah. humility that he brings to the team. Um Tominaga has been coming he's been going off, and that is fantastic to see. Um I hope Ver, Verge has been playing a lot better and but when you got into some of the overtimes, he reverted to first couple games verge. Yeah. If he can continue to get everyone involved, and Bryce McGowan's watching his development over the course of this year, this team still has a chance to be special, guys. Um, now you're going to see what it's like going up against Big Ten play. Same thing as what we talked about the women. What do you do now when you're facing Big Ten play, and you still have a few games in a row of Power 5 competition before you get to Kennesaw State later this month? Yeah, the the rotation getting kind of whittled down too is is going to be something to keep an eye on because they only played nine guys against NC State. You didn't see Eduardo Andre at all. Um, you you saw Keon Edwards continue to start and continue to to make absolutely zero impact on the stat sheet. I think he did have one rebound mm-hmm. uh, in one of the overtime periods, but then immediately had and that a was a big bounce. It was a big rebound he it, got. It was, he went and yes. chased it down, and I was like, do that more. Yes, because when when you see someone do something once, you go, okay, they know how to do it. Right. It's not just oh, I'm out here and I'm a little unsure. He knows how to do it, and he clearly went and did it. And I was like, I want to see more of that, not just one time in 50-whatever minutes. And and the confluence of events that had to, to come together to have Nebraska blow that 14-point lead. C.J. Wilcher couldn't make a shot. Mm-hmm. Like he, he finally made a two-pointer and then promptly fouled out of the game, and I think the third overtime. Yeah. Um, the 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 things that had to happen in that game for Nebraska to lose, it, it's just it's unfortunate. Um, but like you said, you're seeing Kase starting to come on. Um, I don't think CJ's going to have that bad a shooting performance again this season. Mm. Um, Verge is starting to to come into his own in, in, in the way that Fred Hoiberg and this this coaching staff want him to. He's starting to figure out the way to play point and, and not be a, a go go score first every single time. Um, and and Bryce McGowan's is I mean he's uh, he's as advertised right. and he's only going to continue to get better in this offense as a teammate yep. uh, and and eventually you're going to get Trey back too. That's and, the thing is I'm excited to see what this team can develop chemistry wise over this next month to month and a half yep. and then you add Trey on top of it. It's like getting Lauren Stiverns back for conference play. Yep. It's a big deal. They've got four more games in this run where they have five straight against Power 5 teams and then you'll have the Kennesaw State and then you're into Big Ten play. Indiana, Michigan, both two pretty good Big Ten teams. These are, I mean, you're going to be underdogs, obviously, and then you got Auburn and K State. If they can get out of here with two of them, I think that'd be a big win. Absolutely. First up, though, coming up here in just a couple of minutes, you're going to get the pregame yep. and then 11 a.m. tip Nebraska at Indiana here on KLIN. So stick around, stay right here. Hoops coming up. Go get your shot and go Big Red.